Welcome to the fourth edition of the Emergency Goalies. Um, Sean Holland and my co-host, of course, Michael Ernst. And uh, I guess I will jump right into um, a little bit of a recap of the week's games. There were three games this week. And um, first one was at home at the United Center against the New York Rangers. Got off to a pretty good start as uh, two Rangers defensemen tripped over each other at the blue line, allowing Jonathan Taves to go in for a breakaway and pretty easy goal. Um, the Rangers did tie it later in the first period. Uh, Busnevich, fun name to say, uh, scored the tying goal. Uh, the second period, the Blackhawks were really carrying the play most of this game. Um, for 10, that is second goal as a Blackhawk to make it 2-1. to one. And then Patrick Kane and Alex Dubrinkat added a couple goals late in the third period to make it a four to one final. Uh, Saturday, the Blackhawks played their third game of the year against the St. Louis blues. And this one did not go as well as the first two. Um, the Blackhawks actually took an early lead. Um, I think it was, yeah, Patrick Kane scored uh, wrist shot past Jake Allen, but the blues quickly came back and tied it. No, no, wait. I got that wrong, don't I? The Blues scored first. I think on the first shift. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so the Blues scored on the first shift of the game. Um, uh, Ryan O'Reilly set it up. Um, Then Kane scored to tie it. Then the Blues uh, took the lead again. Who else? Vladimir Tarasenko on the power play. But uh, late in the period... uh, Anisimov scored to tie the game at two. Um, Blues, then they struck quick again in the second. The Blues had most of the play in the first, but they were able, the Blackhawks were able to hang around. Um, The Blues scored two quick goals again to uh, start the second period, including a power play goal. And man, their power play was much better than the Blackhawks, but they took a 4 2 lead. Uh, Patrick Kane scored again late in the period to make it 4 3. And it stayed 4-3 to three until halfway through the third period. And then Tarasenko scored again to make it 5-3. to three, And the Blues added an empty net goal and then a garbage time goal to make it 7-3. to three. But the game was closer than the score, final score indicated. Yeah. yeah. And then on Sunday, that lovely 5 o'clock local time start, the... Um, Blackhawks took on the Oilers at the United Center. Um, the Blackhawks scored first on the power play. It was a five-on-three, actually. A beautiful uh, one-time pass to Brent Seabrook, who fired a high shot in against uh, Cam Talbot. Then in the second period, the greatest Oilers threat, Zach Cassian, a fourth liner, uh, pumped home a goal. On the scramble in front of the net, it was they had a few whacks at it, and they finally got it in there uh, to tie it at one one. Uh, then we got in the third period, and it was pretty clear both teams were uh, gunning gunning for overtime because not a lot of activity. There was a little bit late, but anyway, they got to overtime, and well, three on three overtime with Connor McDavid. Uh, well, it went about as you expected. 
uh, he got a two-on-one with Leon Dreisaitl and uh, buried the game winner about 40 seconds into overtime. So uh, possible three of six points for the Blackhawks. I don't know if it was great, but it's better than not winning any. So yeah, but I, <laughs> I'll kick it to you, Michael, for um, some thoughts on these games. Well, uh, the the Rangers game was uh, uh, one of, if not the their best effort of the season. Um, they, you know, they were also pretty good the game before that against Anaheim. Um, but those those two games were probably the two where they carried the the play the most. Um, really got a good look at their puck possession game. Yeah, uh, the, you know the uh, the the Blues game. It was uh, it it was tough to watch at spots. Um, the Blackhawks power play, despite the fact that they did get the five on three goal, uh, continues to be an issue. Meanwhile, the Blues were pretty much entering the zone at will, moving the puck at will on the power play, and. Um, you know, we're exhibiting uh, the the type of play that you would like to see with the man advantage. Um, it was uh, not Crawford's best game. It was probably um, it was probably the only time I'd even call it, it, so far since he's come back to where he's been average or maybe even a tick below average. Um, but like you said, it wasn't. The score wasn't as bad as, or the score was worse than the actual uh, play from the Blackhawks. Uh, we did see a little bit of chippiness at the end. Um, if the you know, I, I think that's a result of the, the the teams playing three times already. But um, well, I guess we'll we'll have a long wait to see if any of that carries over into their next matchup, which I don't believe occurs until March or something ridiculous. It's, it's quite a long time until the, the Hawks play the blues again. Rumor to um, was at least I saw on the internet was there were rumors that if they blues have had another rough performance that their coach, Mike Yo might've been fired. So I don't yeah. know if that inspired the blues or not, but yeah, it's been uh, it, it hasn't been a great start to the Blues. You know, they're for the Blues. They're they're a team that invested a lot this off season. Uh, they made the big trade to get Ryan O'Reilly. Um, they signed David Perron and uh, uh, oh, I'm spacing on his name off the top of my head. Oh, uh, Tyler Bozak. Um, so they brought in they they have his. his uh, as good a forward depth uh, as pretty much any team in the league. Uh, I'm not real impressed with their defense, though. I think that's kind of been uh, an issue for them. And then also, they're they got pretty decent size, but they're not the fastest team in the league. And so, despite their their skill. Um, I, I think there are times other teams are outskating them and keeping the puck away from them in that regard. But I was going to say, I was kind of shocked at just how bad like Alex Petrangelo looked. And yeah. He didn't look anything like he used to. And he scored, he ended up scoring a goal at the end too, I think so. Um, but yeah, he was, 
you know, and he's their best defenseman. Um, well, at least most proven. Um, Colton Pareko's got a real big shot from the point, and um, you know, he's kind of he's built more like a defenseman from you know ten years ago. Um, but he, he's been pretty good for them. But you know, outside of a you know their top two or three. I, you know, maybe I'm just not as familiar with them because, you know, they're going with a, a, some younger guys there, but um, nobody really stood out. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, they're, they're really going to have to, uh, you know, either make another move or, you know, it's, it's tough to say after they've made so many already, but um, you know, it, the central division is tough. And uh, I'm just not sure that they can actually skate with the best teams in that in, in the division. So it it could be a rough uh, ride for them to get into the playoffs. Uh, it's 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 going to be a battle for everybody in the division. Yeah, it definitely is going to be. But yeah, um, and uh, but- the Edmonton game, uh, the honestly, the thing that stood out to me the most that uh, really made me happy was uh, the play of uh, Henry Yoki Haru. Um, boy, he was out there basically every shift that McDavid was out there. And Yoki Haru was doing a pretty damn good job of shutting him down. He wasn't afraid of McDavid's speed he was stepping up to him at the blue line, uh, preventing him from entering the zone uh, with speed. Broke up some passes uh, and, uh, you know, kind of made some quick transition plays back the other way. Um, he had some uh, ups and downs in a couple of the, the, the previous games. Uh, I can't remember specifically that's, I know there were some times I think it was the first period against the blues. He was, he had some, some rough shifts and I think he even had a couple in New York, but boy, for a 19 year old, that kid is so impressive. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's leading the Blackhawks in five on five, uh, ice time, which is just shocking. Um, but I mean, Keith is playing well, but I think part of that is Keith actually feels comfortable jumping up in the play if he needs to, because he doesn't have to worry about Yoki Haru. And, and and then I think vice versa, when Yoki Haru has a chance to jump up, he, you know, is not hesitating and Keith's covering for him. And that, that really is uh, the type of chemistry that you love to see out of your top pairing. And, you know, that's, that's really working. And then I, I, and I, I think that extends down to the uh, second pairing as well. Um, It's not quite as much of a give and take with them as far as jumping into the offensive play, but uh, Brent Seabrook and uh, Eric Gustafson have been playing um, very well. Um, this past week or two, Gustafson is so showing a lot more confidence. Um, you know, he still makes the occasional over aggressive mistake, but he's really driving play. 
and Seabrook has been pretty solid defensively. Uh, Quenville is scaling back his minutes. He doesn't play a ton five on five and Gustafson will go out there um, with some other pairings or or I should say not uh, with with some other partners at times, but uh, um, yeah, that's been working really well. And those two, you know, they've worked together a decent amount. Um, When Gustafson was up here a few years ago, Seabrook was his main partner and those two played well together at that point. And then last year when Gustafson came up again, um, Quenville was pretty hesitant to play him uh, with Seabrook at the beginning because Seabrook was logging some pretty, was logging more in, in a defensive uh, position or in a uh, defensive matchups. But uh, once they, put those two back together again. I, I, I think it brought out the best in both of them. And uh, that's, that's really uh, starting to show through again, I think. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say that um, I've been impressed. Like Gustafson seems to be getting a lot better. Like yeah, in game yeah. the game, he's getting better. So you feel yeah. good about that. Yeah. It's, it's at least trending in the right direction. I mean, I'm not completely sold on him being a viable top four defender, uh, but he's certainly better than anything else the Blackhawks uh, have at this point. Um, yeah, at this point, you just want somebody that's tough, not a disaster out there. Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, Quenville is really, on five on five, he's really heavily leaning on Yoki Haru, Keith, and Gustafson. And then Seabrook, uh, Manning, and uh, Ruda are... Um, he's just kind of mixing and matching with those guys uh, as much as he can. Um, uh, Ruda was actually, I thought, playing pretty decently a couple of games last week, um, like against the Rangers. But then he was, had was he hurt against was he hurt against the Blues or did no? Was he it just had, disgusting with the play. Like, I, I, uh, I, disgusting with the play. I'd have to go back and watch it again to be real sure, but it, he was having a tough game and I did notice a couple of turnovers, but my guess is there was something else he was doing um, that wasn't making Quenville happy. And about, it was about halfway through the game. I think there was maybe, yeah, it was probably like six or seven minutes left in the second period. Uh, Quenville put him on the bench and he did not see the ice again uh, the rest of the game. Uh, and then we saw the next night, uh, he got scratched and Davidson jumped in. Um, yeah, which, talk about a rough defense pairing. Davidson yeah, and Manning. Oh, that, that does not, that, that does not skate well enough. Uh, um, in today's NHL, that's not a viable, uh, alternative for the Blackhawks right now. So we really need Ruda to, to, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we saw it with, uh, Saad, you know, I, I guess Saad didn't get scratched, but he, they they bumped him down to the fourth line a couple of weeks ago, and he's been playing much better since. Um, and he's jumped back up in the lineup. Hopefully, uh, this is maybe just a one game, uh, get your head on straight, sort of send a message, and Ruda can uh, get back in there because he's not great. Um, but he's well, I mean, 
between him and Manning, it's a, it, I'd prefer neither one of them be in the lineup in all honesty, but at this point with Murphy and Forsling still not quite ready to go, uh, you know, it is what it is with the Blackhawks. Uh, although good news is Forsling, uh, is down in Rockford and he played his first games this week. So, and, but from all reports played really well. So I'm hopeful that, uh, he can give them another option fairly soon if they choose to go that way. The only issue is, as a lefty, the only guy he'd be replacing is Manning. And much as I would love to see it, I don't see Bowman or Quenville signing off on uh, scratching Manning every game, uh, given his recent two-year contract. So uh, I do think we're probably in store for a little bit more Manning for uh, a little while. And then... uh, at some point, we'll see Murphy uh, draw back in for Ruta, and hopefully that can. Now, now, the one nice thing is Murphy showed last year he can play either side. And so if he does come back, I want to say it's late December, early or late November, early December, I think is what they were targeting. Um, he can draw in for either Ruta or Manning and, uh, you know, take over for whoever's. Uh, playing worse at the time so a little bit a little bit of hope in that regard and honestly Forsling Murphy I don't remember this the I I really can't recall the Blackhawks ever putting those two together last year but to me honestly it 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 sounds it has the potential to be a decent third pairing I'm not I'm not too worried about that so um you know maybe come the new year um if the Hawks need a little jolt, if they can bring Forsling up and pair him with Murphy there, um, it could solve some problems for him, hopefully. Well, I'm still convinced that if they're around the playoffs by like January, February, that they will trade for a defenseman, but I guess we're not. Yeah. But I would think they would. Yeah, it's possible. I know Bowman came out uh, last week at some point and said, uh, they're already looking around. Uh, he didn't specify forward or defense. Honestly, I right now um, I wouldn't mind them picking up another forward. Um, it, it, I, I think a if they do make a move for a defenseman, it would have to be a bigger deal, and that would probably not happen this early in the season. That's probably more of a trade deadline type deal if they do it, but I think they could probably pick up a depth forward. Um, that would help them out. Um, Fortan has given them a little bit of a jolt. Um, but there are stretches where he's just not very effective simply because his hands aren't very good. Um, but, uh, they're still, they're still a little short on that third line. Um, I think we talked about it last week. I'm still hopeful Sakura can come up here pretty soon, but that well, actually be- speaking, speaking yeah. of that, I did see that, uh, Victor Edzo, um, returned yeah. to the lineup and had three goals last week. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Uh, he had been scratched for a game or two and, uh, yeah, I had said, hopefully, you know, that would be a wake up call for him. And yeah. And I want to say, he played three games and scored three goals. So uh, that's a good uh, sign. Um, one of those two, 
the, the, the Hawks are going to need one of Sakura or Edsel to come up and give them a boost at some point. Um, so if we can get both of them playing well, uh, you know, just, it just gives them more options. So that's, that's very encouraging. Um, the less encouraging news on the prospect uh, end of things would be the uh, injuries suffered to both first round draft picks. Um, both of them are out of the, uh, they've been playing in juniors and uh, neither one of them were like season ending injuries, but we're kind of being both both and uh, Bodan are, are, are out, but I guess that doesn't affect the Blackhawks really too much this year. So uh, we won't spend much time on it, but just, just, Kind of an interesting that both of their first rounders got hurt in the same week. Yeah. This is the perils of uh, young prospects, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you kind of touched on it before, but we're uh, we're talking about special teams and mm-hmm. power play still not looking great. And mm-hmm. then like you were saying, the Blues, wow, their power play looks good. Yeah. You wonder how do they only have nine points with a power play that looks so good, but. Um, it, not having watched all their games, my guess would be, uh, um, they're chasing the puck a lot cause they're slower than their opponents. So they're not actually getting that many power plays or they're, um, shorthanded a lot. Um, but, uh, as far as the Blackhawks power play, you know, there were, there were some positive signs this week. Um, uh, I I know I tweeted about it at one point. Uh, they seem to have finally, 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 I've been screaming about it for years and years and years. Every time that the puck would leave the zone, the no matter if it came a foot out or somebody shot it all the way down the ice, every single time the Blackhawks would retrieve the puck and bring it back behind their net and set up these elaborate breakouts to try and gain entry and their success rate on it is been abysmal for years, but yet they keep doing it over and over and, you know, leaving aside the ineffectiveness of those uh, design plays to on top of that waste 10 seconds every time that the, the puck leaves the zone to set those plays up just drove me nuts. I mean, I understand the puck goes all the way down or you're changing lines. Great. Do it. Or if those, you know, set plays were really paying off. Great. Let's do it. But none of those things were happening and it was just killing me, but it seems like in the last week or so, um, I've noticed it with Gustafson and I've noticed it with Schmaltz. And uh, I want to say Cahoon did it as well. Pucks got chipped out, and they just said, fuck it. They grabbed the puck, and they brought it right back in. <laughs> they they gained the zone without issue. I think it almost surprised the opposition <laughs> um, that the, the Hawks were actually being aggressive in that way. Because that's really been the Hawks' biggest issue is gaining entry into the zone, which is ridiculous on a five, you know, with a man advantage, you shouldn't have that much problem actually getting into the zone with control of the puck. Um, but yeah, so we did see a little bit of good signs with that, but then uh, over the last couple of games, that that deteriorated a little bit and I don't know. Uh, 
there's still there's still you know usually two power plays a game where they just get absolutely nothing accomplished and there's usually even one where the opposition gains momentum because they get more scoring opportunities than the Blackhawks do. Yeah, it's the old joke that you know he's like, which gets told way too much about the Blackhawks. Where can we just decline the penalty? <laughs> you know, on occasion, I I wish we could, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it it's still rough. They are. Um, you know, still in the bottom five statistically. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just a statistical anomaly. The eye, the eye test, uh, um, shows the same thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to completely give up on it because every once in a while I do see some things that are encouraging, but, um, it's, uh, it's been pretty rough. You know, I was trying to think over the years, when did they ever, even like when they were in the, you know, cup mm-hmm. contention, I can't remember that many years where they actually, maybe 2013, they had a good power play, but I can't remember many years that they did. Yeah. I want to say there were a couple of years where they were kind of in like the eight to 15 range sort of thing. I don't remember them ever having like a top five unit. Um, but honestly, when it comes to power plays and penalty kills, um, very little separates, uh, kind of those middle, probably 15 or 20 teams, you know, a few percentage points here or there, um, over the course of a season makes very, very little difference. Um, you know, I know people will freak out when the Blackhawks have the 22nd ranked power play or whatever, but that really doesn't make that much of a difference. You, you just got to stay out of the kind of that bottom, probably five or six, seven, um, where your percentage is, you know, probably five or 10% below average. Um, and the same goes with the penalty kill. You know, if you're in the top five percent or the you know the top five teams or the bottom five teams, that's when you're doing well, you know, and really making a difference or really hurting yourself. And right now, the Blackhawks are in the bottom five in both penalty kill and power play, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, definitely in the power play, but I'm pretty sure they're bottom five in penalty kill as well. Yeah, they creeped up a bit in penalty kill, but that. Um Blues game, I think, knocked them back down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So, I mean, the Blackhawks are 6-3-3 six, six, three and three right now. And, you know, we've gotten a couple extra points for, you know, the, the overtime losses. But, you know, that's still a 500 record. And, you know, honestly, if, they're, if those special teams were just, you know, a little closer to average, um, you know, that's – that can be the difference in a game or two, you know, over that type of stretch. So, um, you'd really, you know, at this point, I'm not hopeful of them, you know, jumping into the top of the league in either of those categories, but if they can just edge towards, towards the average, um, it'll, it'll go a long way for them. That's what you're hoping for anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I will, uh, kick it to you for a little 
preview of the upcoming week of games? Yeah, so the Blackhawks are uh, heading out to Western Canada. Um, for uh, some of the older fans, uh, this would be uh, uh, previously uh, known as the circus trip, uh, which was always a kind of a litmus test time of year for the Blackhawks where um, the, I believe it was the Ringling Brothers Circus uh, would come into the United Center and uh, set up shop for like 10 days or two weeks or something like that. And so the Blackhawks would always go on like a six or seven game uh, road trip and they'd usually do take a swing through Western Canada and then finish up down in California. And, you know, they, so they'd be away for, you know, those couple of weeks and it was always, it always seemed to um, coincide with Thanksgiving. Uh, I want to say it was, uh, you know, it's been a few years. Uh, the, 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 I always sorry. remember them playing on like Anaheim. They'd always play on like, on like black Friday. Okay. Yeah, so maybe it's a little early for it. I, I couldn't remember. It's been a few years since uh, the, the, the circus no longer uh, takes up residence in the United center. So, uh, so this is just no, more of a, a normal uh, three game road swing through Canada. But uh, yeah, so they'll, they'll start off Wednesday in Vancouver um, who are not a great team. They're, they're a rebuilding club. Uh, they are seven and six. Um, they've gotten a, uh, they're, they're, they're surprising a few people. Um, ultimately I don't expect them to be a playoff team, but, uh, they're getting a nice boost from, uh, their rookie Elias Patterson. Uh, I think he's got like seven goals in eight games or something like that. Uh, he's, he's been a real pleasant surprise for them. Uh, so he's definitely somebody that the uh, Hawks will, will need to look out for. And then, so that's Wednesday night. And then, uh, the next night the Hawks will be taking on Edmonton this time in Edmonton. Um, I think everyone's probably pretty familiar with the Oilers since, uh, we just, uh, took them on in the United center on Sunday. And then uh, a couple of days later, uh, Saturday night, they'll uh, so they'll they'll be hanging out in Alberta for a few days. There, they'll 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 play Calgary on Saturday night. Uh, Calgary has kind of been up and down a little bit this year. They they started off pretty well, and then they got blown out in a couple of games uh, last week. Uh, I they may have played one since the last time I looked and. Um, I'm not sure if they've turned that around yet, but um, they, they're kind of a nice, well-rounded team. Uh, obviously, uh, Johnny Hockey up there is, you know, the superstar you got to watch out for, but um, they got pretty decent depth both in uh, up front and in the back end. Um, so they're, they're, they're not a pushover team. Um you know, everybody that the Blackhawks are playing at this point has are pretty similar record wise to the Hawks. And, uh, you know, so these are all conference games and these, these could make a big difference if the Hawks end up battling for one of those wild card spots. So you'd really like to steal 
um, you know, probably four out of the six available points here. And if you can do better than that, that would, you know, that could be, could be the difference come to, coming down the stretch. So, yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, the um, Canuck games are always heated. That rivalry is a lot lower than it used to be, of course, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vancouver, I can't, they don't, I don't think they really even have anybody on the team left from those years. So, I mean, the twins are, the twins are gone for anyone that's wondering. The yeah. twins have retired. Yes, they have. Yeah. I guess this will be our first, uh, look at, uh, uh, the Canucks uh, in, geez, like 15 years or whatever without the uh, Sedin twins um, since uh, the Blackhawks were um, gracious enough to make the trade with Vancouver so that they could uh, pick the Sedins back-to-back. Um, I want to say that was 2001. Yeah, it was way right. back. I yeah. can't remember who they drafted that year. Uh, well, the Blackhawks didn't draft anybody. They had uh, the third or fourth pick, and uh, I, I think the Hawks had the fourth pick, and the uh, Canucks had the third pick. And the Canucks uh, picked up the fourth pick from the Blackhawks for uh, Brian McCabe. Oh, God, that's right. I think they might have thrown a first, uh, what ended up being like their first round pick next year or something in it as well. Um, and so Vancouver ended up with the third and fourth pick, and then they traded the, f- the fourth pick that they got from the Hawks. Uh, they traded up to the second pick. And so then they took the Sedins two and three that year. But yeah, yeah so. the Blackhawks management was not great back then. Um, yeah, it was, uh, um, you know, uh, boy, was that a Pulford year? I don't even remember. I'm getting my years confused back there. I, I want to say Neil Smith had taken over by then, but uh, kind of like the first five years of Neil Smith's tenure were um, the utter disaster of him overdrafting a bunch of uh, Russian players that never panned out. Um, yes. But he did... Uh, he not, he's not going to get any credit for it because, you know, it kind of ended up getting split between three general managers, but he is the guy that drafted Duncan Keith. He did draft Brent Seabrook. He did draft, uh, I want to say Bufflin and a couple of other guys um, before um, Talon took over and then he drafted, you know, a few more from the core. And then, you know, obviously Bowman took over after the first, uh, um, championship there. So yeah. Uh, you know, was, uh, building that core was, uh, kind of a, it was actually a three general manager, uh, job, uh, despite, uh, it being so long ago. I, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of Blackhawks fans really remember that. Yeah. I was gonna, I couldn't remember if, uh, McCabe was there for, uh, Alpo Suhonen, Tenure or yeah, Brent I think Sutter? Yeah, I, uh, it would have been after Sutter. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember if it would have been the Alpo year or not. But I wonder, yeah. if, I wonder how many people remember Alpo. <sighs> I do. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man, boy. Uh, all those years just kind of bled together. They were all bad. 
those were rough, rough years. Well, that's, I feel old, you know, now when it's a Michael Nylander's uh, nephew playing for the Maple Leafs, I'm like, man. Yeah. And then his other kids down in the AHL for the, yeah. I like really, I like Michael Nylander when they got rid of him, but yeah. What was the line? It was um, Nylander, Daze, Sullivan. That was a good line. Yeah, yeah, they're they're one year in the playoffs back in uh, was it two thousand and one or three or something like that, uh, where they had the Jamnov line with Amanti and would that have been yeah, it's probably been Calder and then yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, Nylander, Daze, and Sullivan, which not a good defensive line. Uh, they probably gave up as many goals as they scored, but it was at least nice to see the Blackhawks actually score some goals <laughs> that season uh, after years of being uh, uh, unable to do so. Um, yeah, for a while there, Nylander was uh, a, a viable second-line center, which is something the Blackhawks have... Uh, it's kind of been a, uh, a bane for this organization for uh, probably like 30 of the 37 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah. Uh wow, memory lane stuff. We we're hitting it all tonight. Uh Sean, we got Alpo, we got Nylander. Yeah, this is uh some fun stuff here. Yeah, well I guess that's probably as good a note as any to end it on. Um yep. you know, um oh and the podcast is on iTunes now. It's oh official. Awesome. So if you want to subscribe to that people listening, you just uh look up emergency goalies on iTunes and you should find it. Very cool. I suppose I should, uh, <laughs> I, I should subscribe myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for it to show up on iTunes before I subscribed. So yes. Uh, awesome. Very cool. All right. And um, of course my uh, Twitter handle is STH 85 and Michael. Uh, MGA underscore Ernst. All right. And Thank you for listening to uh, the podcast. Yeah. Talk to you next week. Yep.